plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Welcome back inside Locked On Steelers podcast. John Ledyard, your host from over at fanragsports.com. And also cover the Pittsburgh Steelers if you're not familiar with scout.com, their subscription site over at Steel City Insider. Um, so if you haven't subscribed there, it's, it's a, it is really good Steeler content. Jim Wexel, myself, Dale Lawley, Craig Wolfley, uh, we put out some really good stuff over there uh, at scout.com covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, if you're interested in more Steelers content, you don't mind subscribing a little bit for the year, um, you'll go over there and check that out. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, also wanted to, before we jump into a lot, a lot of points that I want to get to today and a lot of things that I want to talk about, but uh, we are doing a Locked On Podcast Network Pro Football Focus promotion. We've re- recently partnered with them, um, and we are giving away one PFF Edge subscription per show per week. That's a $40 value. We're giving one away. This is what the PFF Edge subscription uh, entails. NFL player grades, snap counts. I actually have it. It's absolutely terrific. Even if you don't agree with all their player grades, and all, I don't always agree with their player grades, there's snap count, the snap count information, the positional ranks, the statistics that they keep track of, the fantasy projections. Uh, for those of you who are more invested in the fantasy realm, tons of really good stuff like that. And I do think there's value the way they break down the player grades. And it's just they just provide a ton of really, really, really good information. A team and player pages featuring those stats. So it's it's awesome. I cannot say enough positive things about the PFF Edge subscription. I really, really love it. Um, Make sure that um, make sure you guys, if you get a chance to read up more about with a PFF Edge subscription, check it out because I really think it's something you would like. But you can win one, uh, $40 value for free. Here's all you have to do. You have to just go to iTunes and leave a review for Locked On Steelers. So just go there, leave a review for the Locked On Steelers podcast. Um, you'll include your Twitter handle in the review. And each week, we're going to choose a random winner from the people that left reviews. So if you're one of the people that left a review, this is going to be huge for you. Not only a chance to... To, to leave a review and, and to, to let it, me know, you know, what, what do you think about the show so far and what, what do you think can improve, uh, what you would like to see done differently and then so on and so forth, but also a chance to win this at this access type of access um, to uh, lots of cool and interesting stats and, and grades and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it is, it's really, really good stuff. So uh, you can win that for free. Um, so yeah, so check that out. Uh, do that if you get a chance to. Um, it's going to be really good stuff. And if you if you know some of the PFF guys, Mike Renner is going to be joining Locked On NFL every Wednesday with Matt Williamson. So if you haven't checked on Locked On, checked out Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, definitely get over there and check out that show. And Mike Renner, great guy, great friend. Um, he's going to be on there giving awesome uh, information as well. So it's a big deal. Check out this stuff now. Without further ado, we move into today's topics, which is All-22 Review. I finally got a chance to sit down watch some of the All-22 from this game. Um, man, lots to talk about. Let's start with T.J. Watt uh, because live his performance was it was fine. You know, you're watching a bunch of things. Um, you're not necessarily just focused on him. When I got a chance to just sit down and focus on him, I watched every snap of his from this game. I was blown away. Very, very impressive stuff. And I just did an article, and it's going up today. Um, I believe over at fanragsports.com. 
check it out. I broke down TJ Watt's performance and wrote about uh, a lot about the, the different techniques and, and what was impressive about his performance facing Joe Thomas for most of the game. Um, but what I love about Watt is that he's just pushing to use variety constantly. You know, he's he's attempting to employ lots of different moves. He used a push pull and brought Joe Thomas to the ground. How many times have we ever seen uh, a guy do that? And um, he, he's trying to rip the edge, and he's using that active inside arm to create a softer edge for himself. Um, and he's showing cornering ability, and even showed some bend. I didn't think he showed much bend in college. He showed some bend on tape and um, flex- flexibility on, to work his way uh, to the pocket to get a hit on Kaiser and had a couple almost sacks in addition to the two that he had. Um, and I know his second one was mostly hustle sack, but again, to start the play, he just tossed David and Joku aside. Uh, if you're going to block him with a tight end, he takes it personally a couple times. He stood up, set the valve and threw him on the ground um, on a run play. He, he stood up David and Joku. So he, him and he was clearly, teams are going to watch that tape. And they're going to say, okay, we can't block this guy with a tight end. Uh, you know, Unless it's like one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, those teams may still want to see how that goes. But he completely destroyed Brown's tight ends when they blocked him. Um, so that that's encouraging because now teams have to alter what they do schematically. And, and you're going to have to put you know, a hat on T.J. Watt with an offensive lineman. Um, and, and maybe that leaves a linebacker uh, unblocked or you're going to have to scheme a little differently. So um, I was just so impressed with Watt, not only his demeanor, but – there was nothing like his performance looked like a seasoned veteran. Like this was a this was a great game for a veteran player for a rookie in his first NFL start against a Hall of Fame left tackle to employ the number of moves, have the confidence in the moves that he did, to not look overwhelmed, to clearly have a plan of attack coming off the edge. That's something in college. He and Vince Beagle, Wisconsin, probably because the Big Ten ran the football so much, but they didn't have a clear plan of attack when they were coming off the edge. So a lot of times it was making it up as you go, kind of you're going through the motions, uh, working different moves and so on and so forth. And so I think because of that, it wasn't necessarily always, it was, it was a lot of slow burn pass rushes. Uh, you know, it wasn't a lot of quick wins one V one. And so I just love the fact that he's, He's clearly adapted the way that he thinks to be able to play in the NFL heavy passing league. Uh, you ha- you're on the attack constantly defensively. Um, you have to be ready. You have to have a variety. You have to read pass sets. You have to react to them. You have to work counter moves. It's absolutely paramount. And that stuff for Bud Dupree, we still have yet to see him do it, partly because he's been injured. Um, I think he has worked on a lot of that stuff. I, I know he's worked on a lot of that stuff. And I think we will see it this year. But Right now, T.J. Watt's doing stuff that Bud Dupree had no idea to do in his first year in the league. So to me, that's incredibly encouraging because he's already much further along. Um, I I joked around on Twitter that I was going to have to take a massive L because I had T.J. Watt as the 48th overall player on my board. Um, I was fine with the Steelers pick of him. I wanted somebody who could contribute as a pass rusher earlier uh, than what I assumed Watt was going to be offered. Because Watt had only played defense for two years, and even though he had made progress, there was nothing on tape in college to really indicate this was going to be a dominant pass rusher right away. Um, but his tape the other day showed showed a lot of really positive things, and that just goes to show you can never, from the outside looking in, it's very difficult. These high ceiling guys, and he tested like a high ceiling guy, and I think he is a high ceiling guy, and I said that even when he was coming out. You can never be sure how quickly they'll develop or when it will click for them, uh, unless you, have, you know. Sometimes it helps having the benefit of working them out personally. Uh, we knew that he'd added weight and added muscle, so clearly the work ethic and all that kind of stuff was there. That helps. But being able to sit down and meet with him and go through tape with him and talk about, you know, where would you do here and what would you do in this situation and those things are 
you know, access the teams have that makes that process really helpful that as, as independent evaluators will never quite have uh, that type of access, obviously. So um, I was excited about Watt's potential, but to reach it this early is, is really exciting to me. So, um, so we'll see what happens from here. Uh, but I mean, this was your first start and it was against Joe Thomas and, and you did pretty well. So <laughs> the expectations probably get raised a little, not a ton. He's still a rookie. There's still going to be bumps in the road, but no, I think it's fair to say the expectations raise a little after a performance like that. Um, what's going to happen when Bud Dupree's back in there? That's going to be the fun part, I think, to watch. And uh, this week, we're going to preview the Vikings matchup with the Steelers tomorrow night after the Thursday night football game. Uh, I have two guests coming on. I believe two. At least one is coming on. But two Vikings guests coming on that you guys are going to absolutely love. I'll keep it under wraps who they are for now. But you guys are going to absolutely love them. They're great uh, and uh, they, we're going to just chat Viking Steelers on the pod and just talk about, you know, what's going to go down and how it's going to work and, um, you know, w- what the Vikings offer that might give the Steelers trouble. They looked impressive the other night and uh, what the Steelers offer that might give the Vikings trouble and so on and so forth. Um, so should be a fun time, but I think that one of the biggest things is going to be Bud Dupree and TJ Watt against two offensive tackles in Riley Reef and Mike Remmers that – are solid but are definitely beatable and and i think that could be one of the keys to the game uh for pittsburgh especially if the vikings passing attack looks as good as it did the other night um we'll talk more about those matchups though like i said uh tomorrow uh, and into friday as that pod goes up um but one of the other impressive things i should say impressive it was impressive moments but it was kind of it also i left me concerned was joe hayden did give up some vertical separation at times once was uh, on the ball to Cason Williams, uh, which went out of bounds. Um, and he was in cover two, actually, in that. At first, I the live, I thought that he was trailing the play and gotten beat. But he was actually in cover two, and he's just supposed to sink uh, and to take away any throw that might come underneath. And then the safety should close over the top, and the safety was widened off his mark, I believe it was Sean Davis, uh, too much to get there to close and make a play on the ball. So that one wasn't necessarily on Hayden, but later in the game, Duke Johnson beat him vertically down the field. Um, I believe it was in cover three. And um, it gives you concern because teams are going to start taking advantage of it. Kaiser overthrew Johnson. Um, I, I I do think it's a legit concern. I'm not sure Hayden can run. And Artie Burns also got beat vertically just off the line of scrimmage off a release, which happened a lot last year. His press technique continues to leave a lot to be desired. So consider myself very scared of the Steelers cornerback situation right now. Uh, I won't get exposed every week. And I think that Joe Hayden did some really good things with the ball in front of him. Uh, again, in zone coverage, he is really activized and anticipates routes really well. So I think it will lead to some positive, maybe even some, some splash plays on the football. He made one play in a cover three where they, they sent DeValve down the seam and he had some separation and Hayden kind of came off his landmark and made a play almost like a safety would break him on the ball and almost picked it off. Uh, it was one of the better plays of the game by a Steelers defensive player. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what he offers and Mike Mitchell's still erasing the middle of the field, but vertically on the outside, I still think the Steelers are in trouble right now. Um, Hayden, because I don't know how well he can run and, Artie Burns because he continues to show poor technique and press and he continues to bite on routes from off man. Well, I shouldn't say he continues to. We'll see. I'm sure he'll be tested in that way. We'll see how he responds to it, but that was a big struggle for him last year. So they're going to have to show maturation in that way because that's going to be an area the Steelers are absolutely going to be tested in and you can't give up the big explosive plays. They've done a good job of that in the seasons past, mainly because of Mike Mitchell, uh, but that's something that they can't do moving forward. Um, so something to watch. One thing that'll help, 
This defensive line is awesome. I mean, it is terrific. And Stephon Tuitt not being out for the season, how big is that? I mean, that is huge for this group. And the fact that he could even potentially play this week uh, would be massive because Minnesota is able to run the football now. Dalvin Cook is the real deal, um, and they've got enough talent on the offensive line to make it work, especially in the run game. So uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this Steelers defensive line. To me, this may be where that game really counts. And even if Tuitt doesn't play, I think those matchups on the inside are going to be ferocious. Javon Hargrave against Pat Elfline, the, the Vikings rookie center, who I liked a lot coming out. That's going to be a great matchup. Uh, Hargrave just completely abused J.C. Treader this past week, was absolutely dominant. Only played 25 snaps, though, while Tyson Alualu played 54. And I like Alualu. I like what he's offered, but Javon Hargrave has to be on the field more than Tyson Alualu moving forward. He can play multiple techniques. It's not an issue. Um, so him being in in sub-package situations, not an issue. So I don't know why his snap count was so limited, but Moving forward, I don't think that can be the case. I think he's got to play a lot. He's a much better and more accomplished pass rusher than Tyson Alualu at this point. And he and Cameron Hayward will need to be on there in sub-package situations, in my opinion, if Stephon Tuitt does indeed miss this game. Now, I, I'm all for playing Alualu at times, um, but he and LT Walton offer a lot less as pass rushers than Hargrave and Hayward do. So get your best pass rushers and your most explosive guys out there, especially when you're not sacrificing anything against the run by having Hargrave in the game. He's better all-around player than Tyson Alulu. Play him the 54 snaps and play Alulu 25, and you're going to be way more successful defensively. And 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 Hargrave can handle it. I I've seen this dude's conditioning. I've seen him sprint after people in practice 80 yards down the field. That's not a concern for me. So I know people may think that, but not a concern. We we this guy's in tremendous shape. Um, so I think that that's going to be one of the areas to watch for Pittsburgh. If that defensive line in the front seven continue to eat up the run game like they did against Cleveland. I mean, they were completely dominant in that regard. And even on a rough night, a rough day for the Steelers, that made a huge difference in that game, the fact that they were able to shut down the run. Um, and watching the tape, impressed with Vince Williams, still wish Ryan Shazer wrapped up better, but impressed with Vince Williams overall. Um, yes, there were some times in pass coverage where he's going to, Steelers are going to get beaten pass coverage this year, folks. It's just the reality. This is not an elite unit. Uh, they have some strong points. I think they can get they they could be better this year than they were a year ago in some ways, but it's they're going to give up some stuff in coverage. They've got to make up for it with pass rush. They've got to make up for it with run defense and with creating negative plays, um, turnovers, tackles for loss, long down and distances, that kind of stuff. Because this group is 100% going to give up some stuff through the air. So the other things that's where they have to be really stout this season uh, and much improved this season. Um, so I, I was impressed with Vince Williams and run defense. Um, also, I thought that the Steelers played extremely well on the edge and run defense uh, with T.J. Watt and Anthony Ciccolo. Conversely, I didn't think the Browns were necessarily as well suited to play well there, and I wish the Steelers would have tested them with more horizontal run concepts because it was really disappointing. The lack of push that the offensive line was was able to get inside. I mean, it was... It was probably one of the worst games from a run blocking standpoint that I've seen from Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro and even Marcus Gilbert, um, who I think are the Steelers' best or most talented three offensive linemen. I did not think those guys played particularly well. Now, pass protection, those guys were all still solid. Um, Cleveland didn't test them as well there, but give Cleveland credit too. They have some young guys that played really well. Larry Ogunjobi was really good. Nate Orchard, who I thought was on his way maybe to being cut this offseason with some of the new talent that Cleveland brought in. He looked really, really good um, in run defense. 
Um, yes, there's some pass rush concerns with Cleveland, but that's a better group in there. And we already know Danny Shelton's a beast against the run. So uh, that's a good group that that the Steelers face, and they deserve some credit uh, for the run defense there. But I, I still think this is a top three offensive line in the league. You've got to be able to generate more push than they did up front. Uh, and I didn't think it was anything necessarily um, that Cleveland was doing schematically that was messing with them. I just thought one-on-one situations the Steelers weren't winning to the magnitude they usually win. Um, and I would have loved to see them then stretch the field a little bit more with their run concepts as a result. So uh, we'll see if that is an adjustment they make moving forward because uh, it doesn't get any easier against the Vikings run defense. I mean, this is an elite group uh, on the, the first and second level with the linebacker position and on the defensive line. Um, so Linval Joseph is an absolute animal inside. And so Marquise Pouncey is going to have his hand full, hands full all night with him. Uh, so there's going to be tons of matchups for us to talk about there. Uh, moving forward as well but bottom line in this game and things that I saw that I really liked offensively that were there were very few but to me Le'Veon Bell looked like Le'Veon Bell you could see him cut in the open field on a reception you know he he seemed confident uh, you know I know that there wasn't a lot of room to run the football but when there was like I said a, bu- a number of good runs got called back due to penalty um, I thought that he his vision was intact uh, you know everything that he needed to do was there um I thought that Antonio Brown, you know, the, the fact that Haley utilized him in diff- some different ways, got him some stacked releases and some clean release off the line of scrimmage as the game went on, realized that the Browns couldn't defend him and so put him in the best chance places to succeed. I thought that was ideal as well. And, and again, the pass protection was good, but got to find a way to get Martavis Bryant involved. I know the Browns were playing too too high and and you know and taking away deep stuff, um, but schematically the Steelers can work some levels concepts and get those guys involved down the field. Um, and got to get Martavis's confidence up too. I think that's going to be a big part of this. Um, and I'd love to see Juju Smith-Schuster involved more in the passing game. I don't think he was targeted the other day. I know he had a couple holding penalties, um, but I think overall um, I would love to see he and Eli Rogers utilize more in the passing game. These, these other weapons have to get going. It's that simple because Antonio Brown can't do this 180 yard thing every game like it's just not it's not not a formula for success so if you can get the other weapons going uh, I think your chances of victory go up a lot greater so I have confidence in the offensive line I think they'll bounce back how what we want to see is Ben and the connection with the other targets and how that part of the Steelers offense continues to develop because how well he can spread the ball around and feel confident in all of his targets and have the same chemistry with all of his targets I think that's going to go a long way toward how successful Pittsburgh's able to be this season when teams are bracketing Antonio Brown and trying to go that route because if teams are forced to not be able to not do that because they have to defend other weapons, Brown's going to go off. I mean, every single week, this is what he's going to be capable of. So we'll see how teams defend it moving forward. We'll see how the Steelers answer back. Uh, some good things, some bad things from the All-22, but like I said, overall, impressed with the front seven defensively and think that that is a chance to be a heck of a group against the run and a heck of a group as a pass rushing unit as well. Anthony Ciccolo showing a lot of improvement as well, and you get Bud Dupree back, and that's suddenly a group that has some depth. So obviously, James Harrison, he had like only a handful of snaps, and he walked uh, Joe Thomas right back into Deshaun Kaiser's lap in one of the snaps that he got, so... Um, I think that is a chance to be a really a much much improved unit, the best most improved unit on the team if they're able to get everybody out there healthy and keep them healthy. So hopefully Bud Dupree's back this week. Um, mentioned it before on the podcast, but make sure you guys are checking out SeatGeek, uh, the app on your phone. Uh, if you don't have it, get it. It is uh, by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats, and it organizes the information um, so so well. So I, I just think buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, 
but this better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. Uh, their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. They're designed to make that ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, Seeky grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, my listeners get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LONFL today. That's promo code LONFL, no spaces, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You can't beat it, folks. Check it out. It's great stuff with the season underway now. Uh, really, really good deal. And, and to get $20 off, that's always a massive help. So uh, make sure you guys are checking that out. Like I said, give yourself a chance to win this PFF subscription uh, to all these kinds of elite stats and all, all, all kinds of information, fantasy stuff um, that is going to help you guys be able to dominate your leagues. Um, all kinds of cool articles on team and player pages featuring the PFF stats. Uh, the player grades, snap count, uh, snap count information is so key to me. Um, I love having that uh, and positional rankings, things of that nature. Make sure you guys check that out. It's really, really good stuff. stuff. And I also love the PFF profiles and stats in their NFL draft coverage. As you know, I host locked on NFL draft as well. That stuff is extremely helpful when I don't have time to watch everybody play. Do I want to know who, how many snaps so-and-so had in the slot? Uh, did they play there? Do they have experience there? That helps me out a ton. Uh, so this this uh, PFF Elite account uh, or PFF Edge account cannot say enough good things about it. Forty dollar value. Um, so go ahead, check out iTunes, uh, check out Audio Boom, leave your review, leave your Twitter handle in there as well in the review. Um, and each week we're going to choose a winner from those the, the left reviews. So just keep leaving them, man. Keep leaving me reviews and ratings. You can say, hey, this podcast sucked, and then leave your Twitter handle, and boom, you're gonna you're gonna have a chance to win it. So that's all you got to do. No big deal. So make sure you check that out. We'll be back tomorrow. At some point, the podcast will be up. I don't know what time yet uh, it will be up, but tomorrow at some point, the podcast will be up. You can check that out Friday check, or check it out Thursday. Check it out on your drive uh, to work Friday morning. Uh, get you geared up for the weekend. Get you geared up for football. We're going to be having some really good but lighthearted, fun conversation on Viking Steelers and all the matchups and everything that, uh, that, that is there to watch. So make sure you're checking that all out. And as always, keep it locked right here on Locked on Steelers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.